lovely to see you all. Um, as always, we're from all over the place, which is really good that we can gather together with this technology. I've been away for a few weeks and um, there were a couple of those weeks when I didn't have access to the internet, so I, I wasn't able to be with you. So it's, it's great to be back. Um, as you can see from the notice on your screens now, um, if you would like prayer after the service, then Steve is the person to, to call or text. And his mobile number is there, 07941-475-680. And he will put you into a breakout room with a member of the prayer team. Um, just before we actually start, I, I think it would be good. I don't know whether uh, you saw the chat message that, that popped up from, from Leslie Cook asking for prayer um, for her grandson, Joseph who is in um, hospital, well, he's, he's waiting to be seen because he, he has a rash. Um, so I think it would be good to pray for him now. Um, so I'm going to do that. Father God, we thank you that Joseph is in your hands. We thank you that you know what it is that's causing this rash. And we do pray, Lord, that uh, he will be seen soon by, by a doctor and that it will um, turn out that, that this rash isn't anything serious. But Lord, we do leave him in your hands um, and we thank you for him. Thank you for your love for him. And we ask for a, a good outcome in this situation. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I haven't been given any notices to, to give out. And so I'm going to, or Steve, will hand over to Sarah and Sam, who are going to lead us in worship. Shout your name. 
Father God, we thank you for that amazing grace. We thank you that there is no one like you. We thank you that you are the one who has set us free from sin and death. And you are our living hope. And we thank you that no matter what's going on around us, you are sovereign. And your love for us knows no bounds. Your mercy and your grace are endless. Lord, we thank you for the positive things that we see around us. We thank you for the sense of community and, and caring for one another. And I think even of the, the numerous things I've seen on Facebook, people offering surplus goods and equipment just for somebody to come and take them, um, no, no charge. We thank you for, for all of these things that are going on. And I personally, Lord, would like to thank you for the, the gift of our newborn granddaughter and for the joy of being able to see her when she was only nine, ten days old. Just thank you for that. Thank you for the joy of being able to share my father's 90th birthday, even though it had to be on the other side of a window and shouting at him. But just thank you for that. Thank you for so many ways in which you show your goodness and your love to us. Lord, we do pray for those who know you, that you would keep us looking to you. We pray for those who don't, that they may turn to you. For those who have strayed away, Lord, would you bring them back to you? Father, we pray for those who are enjoying a break at this time, that uh, you would be with them and keep them safe uh, as they travel. Give them um, rest and refreshment, Lord, um, a time with um, with their family, but a, a time also with you, Lord. And we do pray for those who are still in difficult situations, those who are, are fearful, perhaps because of their own health or the health of those close to them. Lord, we pray for those who have been reluctant to seek medical attention for other conditions uh, unconnected with COVID, Lord, perhaps through fear or through thinking that they, they just shouldn't, they shouldn't bother the health service with, with these things. Lord, we ask that um, they would receive the, the help that they need. Lord, we think of those who are lonely and isolated. And would you help us to, to keep in touch with them, Lord, to reach out? And uh, because of my own situation, Lord, with my father, I do think of those in care homes. Because there are many, many who still are not able to receive visits, except through, um, through a window, or perhaps outside, Lord, but socially distanced and with all the PPA involved. And so many of these, these um, residents in care homes just don't really understand what's going on. And they too can feel very, very lonely and isolated from their family, even though they're surrounded perhaps by other residents and by staff. Father God, we pray for wisdom for all those worldwide who are responsible for seeking to manage the, the health situations and, and the global economies, Lord. There's so many things, uh, so many areas in which they need your wisdom uh, when making decisions. Lord, we pray for those who are returning to school and will soon be uh, returning to universities. Lord, we, we pray for them, for peace for them in their situation, for 
protection and also for wisdom um, as to how these things are handled. And Lord, we pray for those who, whose behaviour may be endangering themselves and others. Would you show them, Lord, how they, they need to behave um, when starting back in, into perhaps normal activities? But Lord, whatever we face, as I said at the beginning, we know that you are sovereign. We know that you are with us. And I just think of Psalm 9, verse 10, Lord. Those who know your name will trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Father God, would you keep us seeking and trusting in you? Amen. We're now going to have an all-age talk uh, from Mark. So over to Steve to start that off. Hello everyone. It's great to be here this morning and be able to tell you another story. Today, Martin's going to be talking to us about money. So I thought it might be a good idea to take a look at another one of Jesus' parables about money. I wonder, can you guess which one? Did anyone guess the parable of the talents? Well, if you did, you're absolutely right. But before we look at that, what is a talent? Well, originally a talent was a unit of weight that was used to weigh out gold and silver. And when it was referred to as a talent in the Bible, it usually meant a unit of currency. But it was a pretty big unit of currency a lot bigger than our 50 pound note today. In the Bible, a talent was worth about 6,000 denarii. And a normal person would expect to earn about a denarii a day for their labor. So a talent was equivalent to maybe 16 to 20 years work. Anyway, let's get back to the story. You see, there was this rich man who was going on a long journey, but he didn't know how long he'd be going for. So he decided to trust his servants to look after things while he was away, to look after his money while he was gone. He called his three servants to him and then told them what he was going to do. To the first servant, he gave five talents of gold. To the second, two talents. And the third got one talent. He told them to look after his money while he was away. The first two servants were overjoyed by the trust that their master had shown in them. They immediately got to work. They used the money to start businesses, which became successful. They worked hard and their investments paid off and the money started to grow but the third servant was angry why did he only got one talent when the others had got so much more but he was also scared of his boss and worried about losing the money he'd been given so instead of using it wisely and investing it he locked it away for safekeeping 
None of the servants knew how long their master would be gone for. So the first two servants kept working hard. But the third was nowhere to be seen. After a long time, the rich man returned from his travels and he called his servants to him. To the first he said, Okay, so I gave you five talents. What have you done with them? The servant replied, I used them to start a business. And since you've been away, I've doubled your money. Look, here are the five talents you gave me. And here are five more. The rich man was pleased. He was so pleased that he told the servant to keep the money and keep working and continue to share in his master's blessing. Similarly, with the second servant, who had also doubled his master's money, he too remained in his master's pleasure and was given even more responsibility. But then he came to the third servant. He asked him, what have you done with the money that I gave you? The servant replied a little bit sheepishly, Master, I, I, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and, and gathering where you've not scattered seed. I was afraid and I didn't want to lose the money you gave me. So I locked it away for safekeeping. See, here is what belongs to you. At this, the master was furious. He told the servant that he was lazy and wasteful, that he didn't deserve even what he had because he'd done nothing with it. He took the money away from him and gave it to the first servant to look after. Then he chucked servant number three out of his house for good. The first two servants were pleased that their master had trusted them with his money. So they chose to repay that trust by working hard. And as a result, they were rewarded with even more. And for us, you see, everything that we have is a gift from God. And God wants to use, God wants us to use what we've been given. We're not all given the same. We have different amounts, but we all have to use what we've been given for God. But I don't think this parable is only talking about money either. It's interesting that the word that we used here for money was talent, because we all have different gifts and talents, don't we? Whether it's music, dance, service, teaching, art, or any number of others. We ne need to recognize that these gifts and talents come from God and use them accordingly. If we do, God will multiply and strengthen them and his kingdom will be extended. But if we don't, we're in danger of losing them. Don't be like servant number three. 
Use your gifts and talents for the glory of God. Thank you. Thank you to Mark for, for that. Um, as, as he said, the, the subject that we we're hearing about today from Proverbs is Proverbs and Wealth. And um, Martin has asked Brenda if she will give some testimony. And so, Brenda, if you could unmute yourself now, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Thank you. Yes, as you said, Martin has asked me to share what I do through CAP and how my faith motivates me in this. Almost three years ago, I responded to a request to volunteer with Brenda's to help out at the local Adelston branch of CAP, which stands for Christians Against Poverty. Christians Against Poverty is a nationwide charity with a head office in Bradford, but which operates through local churches up and down the country. Each local branch will have their manager who will be assisted by volunteer befrienders. CAP is a transparently Christian charity and it operates a personal service by meeting with clients in their own homes. Over the course of three visits, you will find out their story, collect from them all the relevant paperwork, and then return with options for dealing with their debt, which will have been prepared by head office. So what is the role of a befriender? Well, as the name implies, we endeavour as we accompany the debt manager to build relationships with clients in order to come alongside them and support them on their journey out of debt. The reasons people are in debt are many and varied. Perhaps they've lost their job and are suddenly unable to pay off the loans that they were coping with previously. Or they may just be on very low income or benefits and often with mental health or addiction issues. But the one thing they all have in common when people first get to the stage making that initial contact with CAP is that there is a huge sense of fear and anxiety, a sense of desperation and either spirals out of control and they not have. There's fear of addiction, fear of the next threatening letter from creditors, fear of the bailiffs knocking at the door. As we make the choice and commit to engage with CAP, we can tell them that all further communication with their creditors <coughs> will be handled by CAP. The relief they feel is almost tangible. I personally find the role of a befriender to be partly pastoral, an opportunity to demonstrate God's love in action, but also with evangelistic opportunities. My first contact with CAP head office clients will be told that they will be offered prayer at the end of the visit, and generally this is welcome. I've had the opportunity to give a Bible to a couple of people, and one family we visited has attended Messy Church. God is a God of hope, and through this ministry we can give hope and encouragement to people. The journey out of debt is not easy. Every client will have a very tight budget which they have to learn to live with. And that's where a befriender's support can be an encouragement for them. Unfortunately, it's not always plain sailing. 
people will have blips and fall back into old ways. And some people sadly stop communicating and don't even get to start their journey after death. This can sometimes feel a bit heartwarming. But I'll finish with a verse from Romans 12, verse 8, which is about spiritual gifts. In the NIV, it says, If it is contributing to the needs of others, let it give generously. If it is showing mercy, let it do it cheerfully. One day, the same verses in the message version really comes out to me. It says, <clears throat> If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated by them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. I felt like you saying, do what you can, when you can, whatever you do, but leave the outcome to God. And just my update, obviously with COVID and since lockdown, CAB, as with everyone else, have had to adapt their way of working. And currently, everything has to be handled over the phone, which is not entirely satisfactory for a number of reasons. So it would like prayer that going forward, a way would open up for us to once again be safely with time face to face. Thank you. Thank you, Brenda. Um, yeah, I, I know there were sound issues, which uh, is unfortunate, but uh, I hope you were able to, to hear. Um, I, at the risk of embarrassing Brenda, I know she does wonderful work in this area as, as a befriender, going above and beyond and taking people to hospital appointments and all the rest of it because of her, her contact through them with, with CAP. And uh, as, as Brenda said, it would be, be good to to remember her and other befrienders and the work of CAP in, in your prayers because it's very worthwhile. Thank you. I'm going to ask Pauline now to unmute herself and give us the reading or bring us the reading. Thank you, Pauline. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honour and life. In the paths of the wicked are snares and pitfalls, but those who would preserve their life stay far from them. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Whoever sows injustice reaps calamity, and the rod they wield in fury will be broken. The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. Drive out the mocker and out goes strife, quarrels and insults are ended. One who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have the king for a friend. The eyes of the Lord keep watch over knowledge, but he frustrates the words of the unfaithful. 
the sluggard says, there's a lion outside, I'll be killed in the public square. The mouth of an adulterous woman is a deep pit. A man who is under the Lord's wrath falls into it. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. One who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth and one who gives gifts to the rich, both come to poverty. Thank you very much, Pauline. I'm going to pray now for Martin as he comes to speak to us. Father God, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the wisdom that's contained in this book of Proverbs. Um, and I know that money and, and wealth and what we do with it and whether we have it or whether we haven't can be sensitive issues. And so, Lord, uh, I pray for Martin now as he comes to, to bring your word to us, that we may hear you speaking to us um, about these issues, about our, our money, our wealth, and about how you want to, to use these things for you, Lord. Would you bless Martin as he blesses us? Amen. Thank you very much, um, Alison, and thank you to, to Brenda for, for sharing your testimony about the work of CAP. Um, we'll, I'll say more, a little bit more about that later, but uh, really appreciate uh, all the contributions. And Mark, who is actually on holiday, thank you to Mark, um, in case you watch this later on. And of course to Steve for juggling everything uh, this morning. Um, really appreciate all your support. So Proverbs and wealth, um, you often hear uh, the Bible's teaching about Proverbs or about wealth actually misquoted. People sometimes uh, say money is the root of all evil, um, which, which is actually not true. Um, what Paul actually taught in 1 Timothy 6 was this, that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So in and of itself, money is neither um, good nor evil. It's neutral. It depends how we use it as to whether the um, the result is good or evil. So um, the teaching of the Bible is that we are not to trust in wealth or to love money more than God. Jesus says you cannot serve both God and mammon. You cannot um, love both God and money. But the Bible teaches that wealth can be used for good and can be a sign of God's blessing. So Proverbs 22.4 sums this up for us. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honour and life. So we're back to that wonderful phrase, the fear of the Lord, again. Um, and we start not with money, wealth as an end itself, but with fearing God. A humble attitude of fear of God. Um, and there are, there are wages for that. There are rewards for that. Riches and honour and life. Um, we are to fear God first, love him, reverence him, worship him first before money and everything else. Interestingly, half of the times the word, uh, the Hebrew word for wealth is used in Proverbs, we are told to prize it. But the other half of the time um, that the Hebrew word for wealth is used, we are told not to trust in it. So the, the teaching of um, Proverbs is, is, is quite complicated and nuanced. Um, we're not to trust in money, but we are to prize it. It's a gift of God. But what does the Bible mean by wealth? Um, often when we hear the word wealth, we think of um, the super rich, perhaps a Russian 
oligarch with multiple properties in London. That isn't actually what the Bible means by wealth. In the Bible, both Old and New Testament, wealth means having enough material goods to care for one's own family and to give generously to those in need. And if God blesses us with more wealth, with more talents, as in the parable, we have a greater responsibility to use that money to be generous to others. So when, the, when Jesus meets a rich young man, he tells the rich young man who's told Jesus that he keeps all the commandments, Jesus says to him, you might keep the commandments, but there's one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And it goes on. All, uh, yeah, he had, sorry, Steve, I forget that you've changed my uh, slides to compact them. He had great wealth. In other words, he loved wealth and money more than he loved Jesus. So he went away from Jesus. So the Bible's teaching is that we are not to love and trust wealth more than Jesus. So let's have a look at some of the, uh, the teachings of Proverbs um, on wealth. Well, first of all, wealth as the blessing of hard work, Proverbs 14, 23. There are a number of Proverbs that teach that hard work leads to prosperity and laziness leads to poverty. Um, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. We know from experience that those who, um, those who have wealth and who've prospered, um, and they have that because of hard work and discipline. They've worked hard and earned that wealth over the years. Proverbs 12, 11, he who works his land will have abundant food, but he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. So in other words, the diligent, the one who works hard has earned the wealth and patiently over and slowly over time, they've increased their wealth through laboring hard. There's been no sort of get rich schemes. Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. But we mustn't think that Proverbs that speak of wealth and poverty are simply cause and effect, as if to say hard work always leads to prosperity and laziness always leads to poverty. Sometimes really hardworking people miss out on wealth through injustice or oppression. And sometimes lazy people can actually get wealthy through a windfall or perhaps through other more devious means. And sometimes um, people who've worked hard miss out um, because others um, don't allow them to, uh, to reap the benefit of their hard work. Um, so it's not, a, it's not a simple cause and effect. Proverbs describe what is generally or often the case, but not what is always true. They are generalizations of what is often the case in the experience of life. One commentator states that one third of the um, Proverbs teach that people get their wealth, the wealth that they deserve. But two thirds recognize that some do not get what they deserve because of injustice. So for example, sometimes wealth can be gained by dishonest means rather than hard work. Proverbs 28.8, he who increases his wealth by exorbitant interest amasses it for another who will be kind to the poor. Now this proverb refers to the taking of excessive interest, which the Bible uh, forbids, on a loan that takes advantage of the person um, borrowing. 
But God in his justice, according to this proverb, will ensure that in the end, the profit that's been made, perhaps unfairly, will get back into the hands of the poor through, a jet, through other generous people. So God is a God of justice and he ensures that justice will be done. But the poor may remain poor, not through laziness, but through injustice and oppression. Proverbs 13, 23. A poor man's field may produce abundant food, but injustice sweeps it away. In other words, sometimes people have the means of generating wealth and work hard, but it's denied them through oppression. Um, and often persecuted Christians um, are denied the, pro the, the produce or the fruit of their work um, by oppressive regimes. And we should give to them and pray for them and remember them. While it's true that hard work is a key to prosperity, the ultimate source we always have to remember is the gift of God. Proverbs 10:22. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth and he adds no trouble to it. A better translation is that, um, is that there is no painful toil. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil is a more literal translation. In other words, those who trust in God enjoy their wealth and the gift of the riches that God gives without having to overwork. Um, sometimes some people say, well, it, enough is never enough, and they go on overworking. They experience painful toil to get more wealth and power and status. But God would have us enjoy whatever blessing he gives us without the constant striving for more. You see, those who overwork are really showing that they don't trust God for their happiness and prosperity. Um, Lady Wisdom says this in Proverbs 8, With me are riches and honour, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses fine choice silver. In other words, don't look for satisfaction and meaning and purpose and joy in riches, but in wisdom in wisdom. Um, God wants us to enjoy our work and the blessing um, that he gives through that, but not to put our trust in, in, in riches and, and seek, seek, seek happiness there. He wants us to enjoy what he's given us. And he wants us to enjoy working for a living. Um, many of you have retired, but work, you're still familiar with, with work, but work is supposed to be satisfying because God is a worker. Genesis 1.31. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. So work was built into creation before the fall. Work is not a product of the fall. It's a product of, of, of a God who loves to create, who loves to make things. I wonder if you like to make things. I wonder if you enjoy craft or art. Well, God is an artist and a craftsman. And so it's built into us to work, to produce things, to make things. God is happy in his work and we are made in his image. So God wants us to enjoy work and to enjoy the fruit of that work. But we need to take the initiative to find work we choose to do. Otherwise, we'll end up doing work that we're forced to do. Proverbs 12, 20, 24. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. Now, this doesn't mean that will that um, you know lazy people always end up in some sweatshop or or 
horrible dead-end job. That's not what it's saying. It's, it's meaning that careful and diligent and wise people will rule over their choices. Um, it's not saying that all diligent people will become leaders, um, uh, sort of CEOs and highly paid people. It's saying that um, diligent people will be able to use their gifts and skills in a way that they are a round peg in a round hole. In other words, they'll end up in roles where they fit rather than ending up in roles that they, where they don't fit. Um, now, it doesn't always mean that the diligent will, will, um, will end up in highly paid roles, um, or it doesn't always mean that those um, who, who are well paid will not end up in slave labor. For example, you can be enslaved to a job through long hours or through a lack of work-life balance or you can be enslaved to a job because your gifts and skills don't really fit that role at all. You can feel enslaved to it. So it's not about um, levels of pay here. It's about whether we're in a job that really fits with our gifts and skills. Um, diligent people will rule over their own choices and do the work that fulfills their skills and giftings. And that's, that's what God would have for us in work to fulfill a role that he's given us, whether that comes with uh, high pay or lower pay, God would have us uh, enjoy the work that we do. And wealth is not our ultimate goal. Um, wisdom is. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to choose understanding rather than silver? And um, the advantage of, of wealth would seem to include safety and comfort for your family and the ability to do good in the world. And all of those can be good things. Yet, Wealth without wisdom can draw us into sin. Um, wealth has the power to absorb your time, energy and, and ambitions so that you have lesser time to pay attention to God and to ultimate things. And there's a warning here in Proverbs 11.4. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. No one on their deathbed has ever cried out, I wish I'd spent more time at the office making more money. You see, one day we'll have to give an account to Jesus on Judgment Day of how we've invested our time, our skills, our, our money in the kingdom of heaven. We're to be rich in storing up treasure in heaven because only these treasures are eternal. We are to look to the eternal kingdom of God in how we invest our time and wealth. And wealth is not our ultimate goal because it cannot save us. Proverbs 18, 11. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it an unscalable wall. Notice that the writer says they imagine it. It's a fantasy. It's a delusion. Wealth can never totally protect us. And um, we've seen in 2008 and now in the current climate of how uncertain wealth can be. Um, some people put their money into savings in order to feel safe. Um, now, Saving for the future is a good thing, of course. Providing for the needs of our family is a good thing. It's a good and wise thing to plan and to save for the future. But we can never put our ultimate trust in our money and in our savings. Or others put their money into clothes or things that appear attractive and sophisticated in order to get people's approval and admiration. Others put wealth into homes and membership in clubs in order to get status and power. But Jesus warns us in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
So what will break the hold that money has on our hearts? And it has a real power, doesn't it, money, um, that competes with our love for God and our trust in God. Well, generous, generosity to the poor is a critical starting place. And Proverbs has much to say on generosity. Um, the blessing of generosity. Um, Proverbs um, 11:24. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. The more you scatter your wealth, the more you will gather it. The more you try to keep wealth for yourself, the more it dissipates. Think of um, farmers. The more they scatter seed, the more they will reap. The seed grows into fruit and crops that can be harvested and sold. In other words, a little bit of seed scattered and, and planted yields a great big harvest and crop. In the same way, spiritually wise people realize that money is like seed. And the only way for them to turn it into real riches in the kingdom of God is by giving it away. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, this is not a promise of kind of some prosperity gospel teacher on, on TV, that the more you give away, the more money you will personally make. That's not what it's saying. It, rather, the Proverbs is saying that the more you give away wisely to ministries and programs that help people spiritually and physically, the more your money becomes real wealth in the kingdom of God and impacts and changes lives and blesses you spiritually. This is illustrated for us in Proverbs 22.9. A generous man will himself be blessed for he shares his food with the poor. Um, generous people are like God. They reflect the generosity and heart and compassion of God. And so a generous person is like God and they are happy. That's why um, Paul translates God loves a cheerful giver. The translation of cheerful is hilarious giver. There's joy in giving. There's gener generosity reflects the very heart of, of the hilarious, cheerful heart of God to give um, and it blesses not just the people that we give to but it blesses us because we become like God as we give generously according to the Bible we are blessed the more we become like God um, and God is a generous God he gave us our own lives he gave us an earth to be stewards of he gave us gifts and talents to invest in his kingdom and he blessed us with work and with the ability to enjoy the good gifts that he provides, whether that's family or money or food or clothing. God gives these to us because he's a generous God. But supremely, he, he has given us the best thing that he had in his own son to save us, to forgive us, to bring us into his kingdom. And if we are generous with our wealth, we will lack nothing. Proverbs 28, 7. He who gives to the poor will lack nothing, but he who closes his eyes to them receives many curses. Now this doesn't mean that all generous righteous people will always become prosperous. The Apostle Paul says that he learned to be content whether in need or whether in plenty. Sometimes he had plenty and sometimes he was in need. And when he was in need, churches stepped up like the Philippians and they supplied his needs. Um, and the reasons that we as, as Christians are free to give away money when needs are evidence 
is we are now members of a community and we hope that others would do the same for us if we are in need just as if we see people in need in our community we should give to them generously the early church in acts models this for us acts 4 all the believers were one in heart and mind no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own but they shared everything they had how much should we give away proverbs 3 9 to 10 honor the lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine now behind that teaching is the idea of the tithe god required israelites to give 10 percent of their annual income to the levites in priests and the poor in order to support the work of the temple and to look after the widows and the orphans and the poor and the stranger among israel in other words god gave priority in the distribution of money and, and gifts of crops to making sure that those who served in the temple were well fed and their needs supplied but also the disadvantaged among the community were um, given what they needed and in the same way paul in the new testament says there's a priority to support christian ministries and the poor in the community so that there are no needy among us um, in the new testament paul talks about christian ministers as those who deserve their wages um, and there is also a call on churches in the new testament to ensure there are no needy people in the church and to extend that generosity beyond the church to the local community and that's why i asked brenda to speak this morning about christians against poverty because we are called as christians to be generous to those who are poor and to provide advice and budgeting skills and wisdom in order to help people to get out of debt and to become self-sufficient that's why the work of cap is so important but we're also called to give generously through food bank through let's do lunch and also more widely to our christian brothers and sisters through supporting open doors persecuted christians baptist missionary society and compassion are all ways that we can serve the poor and we support all of these ministries in our church just as we support um, our ministers and and of course the poor in our local community we now have in margaret and sorry in barbara and uh, mike pargeter we also have a new ministry uh, with beeson which we hope to expand uh, as a church in meeting uh, the needs of, of people with uh, practical things like uh, furniture um, that are donated um, by churches in the local community. Now we have greater privileges, joy um, in, our, in the new covenant through Christ than they did in the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. So as a general rule of thumb, see my thumb, as Christians, we are expected not to be less generous than our Old Testament covenant brothers and sisters. So the tithe, as R.T. Kendall teaches, helpfully, the tithe as a rule of thumb is, is, a, is a starting place. It's a minimum rule of thumb for Christians who want to begin proportionately giving to God. Um, it's, Paul assumes the tithe in the New Testament is simply so ingrained in, in Israelite culture that he, he didn't really need to say anything about it. He just assumed that people would tithe because of the Old Testament background. Surely for us, the tithe should be the very minimum 
that we give away. But let me finish with a note about simplicity. Living simply. Glad simplicity. This is the this is the summary really of Proverbs. If you want to know what Proverbs teaches on wealth, this is a great summary. Proverbs 30 verses 8 and 9. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Money can corrupt us by its presence and by its absence. The poor attempted to crime as a means of income. They're often um, unfairly excluded from educational opportunities and advancement, and their hearts can um, sort of justify illegal and even violent actions, stealing, for example. But wealth has dangers too. Wealth can distract us from God. It can make us proud, selfish, ruthless, and it can become an idol that we love and trust in more than God. But Proverbs has a balanced view of wealth. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. In other words, give me what I need. Um, now, we mustn't read this proverb as a kind of middle class ideal, as if God is teaching us to live uh, a kind of middle class lifestyle. Um, that is not what this is teaching. This refers to a modest lifestyle of being content with what we need rather than a kind of middle way, a middle class lifestyle. A middle class lifestyle would be far above what the book of Proverbs and the Bible teaches. But this doesn't mean that all Christians should um, kind of get rid of all of their wealth to live a simple lifestyle necessarily. Some are called to this and um, they have a gift of generosity, a gift of giving, but not everybody. We need Christians in all places and social circles. We need wealthy Christians in business life and um, to, to have an influence, to be a witness there. Tim Keller helpfully says, what it means is at least this, our homes, our clothing and lifestyle should be modest within our circle and neighborhood so we can be as generous as possible. The Christian community should model to the world a society in which wealth and possessions are seen as tools for serving others and not as means of personal advancement and fulfillment. As we saw in the parable of the talent, God does bless different people with different levels of wealth. But for those who've been given more, more responsibility to be generous is expected. So we are to live modestly within our social circle and within the people that God has called us to work amongst. We are to live modestly. And Paul teaches this in 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 to 10. This is what he says. Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly to come.
So God is a God who is generous, who provides everything that we need. And any excess that God gives, we are to be generous with in serving the needs of the poor. You see, God is, is a happy God. He's a God who loves cheerful givers. And he's a God who wants us to enjoy earning the money that we have, to enjoy the gifts that, and prosperity that come with that wealth, but also to be blessed and happy as we learn to share that wealth. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that you are a generous and good God who blesses us with wealth in order that we might bless others and be generous to others. And Lord, we thank you that you love a cheerful giver. And so, Lord, I, I pray for all of us today that you would help us to examine our hearts. Father, where we have become captive to loving wealth more than you, would you forgive us, Lord? Where our priorities in life are about going after wealth and prestige and status and power, Lord, have mercy on us. But Lord, help us to see wealth and possessions as a gift from you. And Lord, help us to lay those things before you this morning and to say, Lord, may your kingdom work be done through my generosity. And thank you for your generosity to us in the gift of Jesus, who died and rose again, that we might have life in all its fullness. May we reflect the generous heart of God in the way that we use our wealth for the, for the, for the benefit of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. And uh, please... If you want to make any kind of response this morning, um, please seek prayer. Um, uh, Steve's uh, text, please text or phone Steve if you want to, uh, if you want to make a response this morning. Um, also, um, if, you, if you'd like to begin giving or to review your giving, it, wouldn't, it, it would be remiss if I didn't just um, sort of give you the opportunity to respond practically this morning. Um, Alison, who's leading this morning, is our treasurer. And um, I'm speaking to our church members here, by the way. I'm not in the slightest bit trying to <laughs> reach out beyond our church. But please do. If, you, if you'd like to talk about proportionate giving, um, please do uh, contact Alison, and she'd be glad to, to help you uh, to set up uh, proportionate giving. Thank you for listening. Um, back to Steve and the worship team and Alison. Thank you, Martin. Um, I'm sure that will have been a, a challenge to many of us. We're going to close now with uh, a closing song, uh, which uh, Sarah and Sam are going to, to lead us in. Thank you.
so there's a reminder there, uh, if you would like prayer, of the, Steve's mobile number to get in touch with him. I don't know whether everybody has seen the message from Leslie, Leslie Cook. I'll just read it out to you in case you haven't. Thank you for your prayers. As soon as Joseph saw the nurse, he was rushed in to see the doctor. They've diagnosed an extreme allergic reaction. Could be caused by glandular fever or post-viral. It's not contagious and his vital signs are good. The rash is in his ear and his eyes are swollen. Please pray the rash would die down very soon. Thank you again. And that's from, from Leslie. So do continue to uh, pray for Joseph. I'll just close with, uh, with a prayer. Um, this is from Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And just a reminder from Philippians 4, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you to everybody who's involved in, who's been involved in the service this morning. And uh, I hope that you all have a good week. And we look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Thank you. And you may now unmute yourselves. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Sam and Sarah. Thank you, everybody. Fantastic morning. Yeah. Yep. Yes, thank you everybody. Thank you for your prayers for Joseph as well. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right for you too, Leslie. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Bye, Hi everybody. Have a good week. Bye -bye. Yeah.